Well, Merry Christmas. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. It's wonderful to be with you again this Lord's Day. Uh, I encourage you to, if you have a Bible handy, stay in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, as that will be our story for the day. I want to say something at the outset. Um, I don't know if this is really a complaint or not, but it kind of feels like one. Um, all week long, I, I waited and waited. I had this hopeful expectation that something was going to happen. And I kept checking my email multiple times a day. I went to the Google Drive that our staff share looking for something. And then Christmas morning, I got up early and I looked under the tree and I went through my stocking. And no matter where I looked, I could not find a sermon from Pastor Zach. And so <laughs> you're stuck with one of my own today. <laughs> so Merry Christmas, Zach. A few years ago on Christmas Eve, my family and I attended a candlelight service at a sister congregation. And in that service, much like our own, the scriptures were read, hymns were sung, uh, handbells were played, communion was served, the gospel was preached, and candles were lit, and it was a very lovely service. And one of the things that stood out to me in that service was the presence of all of these elderly saints. I was, in fact, awestruck by the fact that there were so many white-haired, wrinkled, and weathered men and women who had gathered to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in that service. Elder saints who had been serving God and following Jesus longer than many of us have been alive and certainly longer than some of us have been Christians. And in that service, we were given a glorious picture of enduring faithfulness embodied in the trembling hands and the shaking voices and the fragile hugs of God's people. It was a gentle reminder that God's people are called to appreciate and to celebrate people of all ages. And that is, in fact, what we're going to try to do today as we make our way through this story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We're going to meet two sets of people here. We're going to meet elderly people who played a brief yet important role in the life of the newborn baby Jesus. And then we are going to meet Jesus and see the important role that he plays in our life. And as we enter into this story, I want to put a couple of questions in your mind, something for you to consider as we make our way through the story. Questions like, what do you hope for in life? What are your expectations from the Lord? And what is it that actually brings you comfort and peace in your life? Not immediate comfort, but ultimate comfort in your life. Today we're going to see the old meet the new. And the old is going to welcome and make room for the new, as I hope and pray that you will as well. So let's look at the old first. The old comes to us in the form of two people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was named after one of the sons of Jacob, one of the sons or one of the tribes of Israel. His name means heard, as in the Lord heard me. Simeon is described as a righteous and devout and patient man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
The word for waiting means he's holding out for it. And the word for consolation means comforter. He is waiting for the comforter of Israel to come. He's holding out for this, hoping and expecting this long-awaited comforter to show up, not at some point in the distant, abstract future, but he's truly hoping that this comforter will show up in his lifetime. So any day now. And what's interesting is Simeon is an older man. And so just looking at the natural events, the unfolding of life, he's running out of time. So this comforter needs to come any day now. To help you understand a little bit more about Simeon, I want you to know that Simeon is the kind of man that we love at RPC. He's the kind of man we love at RPC. In fact, if he were a member here, he would likely show up on Wednesdays and become a part of this top secret club that some of you don't know about, but you're about to. There's this top secret club called Romeos that meets up here on Wednesdays. They call themselves Romeos because it stands for real old men eating out. I can just imagine Simeon joining this gathering of men and slamming a Boots burger and talking about politics, sports, and religion, swapping tall tales, belly laughing, and every once in a while talking about matters of life and death. We meet Simeon in Jerusalem, the city of God's peace, but that city is not at peace, it's not at rest. There is no comfort in Israel in Simeon's day. There is no comfort in Israel. Israel is uncomfortable and inconsolable. For the past several centuries, Israel has experienced one 2020 year after another. It's been a difficult and miserable season of life for Israel. They come out of Babylonian exile and return to Judah, rebuild a temple, resettle villages and cities. But there's no comfort. There's no consolation in Israel. Then along come the Greeks and invade the land and desecrate the temple and wreck shop. And there's no comfort. There's no consolation in Israel. And then along come the Romans and occupy the land. And they oppress the people with intimidating military presence and intense tax burdens. And they're constantly imposing themselves upon the life of the people. And there's no comfort and there's no consolation in Israel. And then to make matters worse, when they look to their own religious leaders, they don't find comfort and consolation because cynicism has taken hold of the religious leaders. On one hand, you've got functional deists at best who do not believe that God exists and that God is, and they do believe God exists, but they believe God set things in motion, that God simply wound things up and then walked away to a galaxy far, far away. And on the other hand, you have a group of religious leaders who are functional atheists. They believe God is not real and that only the material and the political and the physical are what matter. And so men like Simeon look around and they don't see comfort or consolation. And yet, hope against hope, they're waiting for it. They're holding out for it. They want it to show up and they're expecting it any day now. Simeon stands in sharp contrast to the vast majority of the people of his day. He's a righteous man, which means he is walking by faith and not by sight. 
He's a devout man, which means he believes that God exists and that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And he is a patient man, which you see in his life shows that he does not waver in unbelief. He does not give up hope even when things look bleak, and he does not quit when things get rough. For Simeon, there is no such thing as living in a closed universe. He believes the power of the truth about God. And he believes the promises of God and what the prophets of God have been saying to the people of God. Comfort, comfort, O my people. The Lord God is everlasting. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Simeon, an old man, is comforted by the promises and the power of God. He is not an old man filled with resentment or regret. He's an old man who is filled with renewed strength. And so what does he do? He worships God and he waits for God and he watches for the comforter of Israel to come. And it just so happens on this day, a day that's much like every other day, a day where he's gone to the temple as he's done many times before, it just so happens that on this day, his path is about to converge with the comforter of Israel. This day, something is different. Mary and Joseph are coming with a newborn baby in Mary's arms. Simeon knows nothing about Mary and Joseph. He knows nothing about this baby Jesus. But today, something is different. And what's different the Gospel of Luke tells us that what's different is that on this day, the Spirit of God is upon Simeon. And the Spirit of God is revealing truth to Simeon and moving Simeon to go deeper and further up and further in to the house of God. And the Spirit leads Simeon all the way to Jesus. On this day, Simeon is a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled man. He was carried all the way to Jesus to embrace him by faith. The point is this. The Holy Spirit initiated and completed Simeon's conversion. The Holy Spirit, through Christ, brought the Comforter all the way to Simeon and brought Simeon to the Comforter. And this is how the Holy Spirit normally works to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. This is how you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ. It's through the gracious work of the Spirit. Whether a person is young or old or female or male, when the Spirit of God begins working in your life, what does He do? He nudges you. He moves you. He leads you, points you, takes you all the way to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the most Christ-centered person in all the scriptures and in all of history. So if and when the Spirit starts this work of grace in your heart, know that he is going to finish this work of grace in your life. How? By connecting you to and centering you on Jesus. So whether it's sooner or later, I hope and pray that the Spirit will do for you what he did for Simeon. And that is that he will bring comfort to your heart, to your life, and to your soul. Why? Because in Christ alone is where you're going to find your comfort 
It's where you're going to find comfort in life and in death, and it's where you're going to find the consolation for your soul. Now let's hit the pause button on Simeon for just a moment and look at Anna. Anna's not someone we know much about other than what Luke reveals, and it's just a snapshot of 84 years of her life. Anna was not one of the mothers of Jesus, but she stands in that tradition of the women. She shares the same spirit of those women. Anna was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Her name means grace. It's like Hannah from the Old Testament. Her name means grace. And she comes from the tribe of the happy folks. Asher means happy or blessed. She's advanced in years, 84 years to be exact. And she spent all her time in the temple worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. She never left the temple. It's a remarkable story. Anna, like Simeon, is the kind of woman that we love at RPC. If she were a member here, she would undoubtedly help lead our women's ministries. She would be the kind of woman who would send cards and bake cakes for grieving families. She's the kind of woman who would make calls and visits, and she would serve in secret ways behind the scenes. She would pray us through a pandemic. She would pray us through our prayer walks. She would counsel you and pray for you and encourage her pastors and help young mothers find their way with their children, just like many of our mothers in the faith here at RPC. Now, I would love to give you a list of the names of women I have in mind as I think about RPC, but I don't want to leave anyone out. And that's really just a cop-out, because the real answer is I don't want anyone to take it the wrong way. I mean, heaven help me if I identify any women of our church with Anna, a woman of advanced years at the 80, 84 years. I know how sensitive women can be about their age. And so just know that we see you, mothers. We notice you. And we thank God for your quiet and gentle service to the Lord Jesus and his people. In our minds, you are so much like Anna. Grace coming to serve a happy folk. Now let's get back to our story. At this very hour, Anna begins to thank God and to speak about Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of, his, uh, of waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now I don't know how she identified those people. If she went around and said, "Are you waiting for the uh, redemption of Jerusalem?" Well, I've got good news for you. If they said no, then she said, pass, I'll go to someone else. I don't know how she did it. Or maybe she just was preaching indiscriminately. But what we see here is that this woman named Grace goes into the temple, and she is the first woman, the first human being, to tell others about the good news of Jesus. It's noteworthy that in Luke's gospel, devout women are often among the first to announce the good news of Jesus Christ. You see it here after his birth, and then you see it later in Luke after his new birth from the tomb. I want you to let that soak in for a minute. These are little details that the Holy Spirit has given us. The Holy Spirit wants us to explore that and consider that and ponder the importance of women in bringing about the gospel to the nations. Luke doesn't tell us how other people responded or reacted to Anna's preaching and praising, does he? 
In our imagination, we might see that people would simply think of her as that crazy old woman that's always in the temple. What's she up to today? Maybe there were some who actually paused and looked at baby Jesus and his poor parents and thought, are you kidding me? This is something to celebrate. This is the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the comforter that we've been waiting for. Or maybe some listened to Anna and pondered in her heart, in their hearts, what she said, just like Mary had done. But whatever the case, Anna did what she could to tell others about Jesus And I want you to see that this didn't just come out of nowhere. It grew out of Anna's faithful love and devotion to God through the course of her life. She is an elderly woman and an elderly widow, but that did not keep her from the temple or from praying day and night or from giving thanks or from telling others about Jesus. Rather than look for reasons not to do these things and to find excuses to check out of life, Anna is looking for reasons to engage the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And the same goes for Simeon. As you look at Simeon and Anna, embodiment of the old that is greeting the new, you see that perseverance of the saints is not just about saints persevering and enduring and grinding it out for a long time. It's also about God preserving them and and persevering with them for their good and for his glory. Now, to be fair, there's nothing in the story that says you have to act like Simeon or Anna. They're not held up as models and sit where we're commanded to imitate them. But the principle we learn in Scripture is that it is good to imitate the faith of faithful people who come before us, who show us the way to Jesus. And we can certainly follow them in this. Now, like many of you, I have been truly and deeply blessed by older saints throughout the course of my life. Saints like Simeon, saints like Anna, that have taken me under their wings and showed me what it's like to walk by faith, hope, and love in Christ. And to do it through thick and thin, to do it for a long time. And those are the people that impress me the most. It takes a lot of grace and a lot of grit to endure as long as Simeon and Anna did. So I want to encourage those of you who are getting a little bit older or imagine you're getting a little bit older to keep going to the temple in person and online, to keep worshiping and praying and seeking Christ and to keep sharing your life with others, even those who are younger than you, to keep participating in your community groups, to keep speaking words of wisdom to young parents and blessing little children And giving thanks in all things and telling others about Jesus to the best of your ability. And if you do all this, you're going to be kept from becoming angry and bitter and critical as you get older. These things are going to renew your spirit and bring you comfort and keep you from regret and resentment. Now that brings us to the new. Anna and Simeon have done a good job of centering us on the new. Now let's look at it. Have you ever experienced something and thought, that's not at all what I expected. That's not at all what I hoped for. Sometimes it's worse than you expected. Sometimes it's better. And I can't help but wonder if that's exactly what went through Simeon's mind when he finally saw the consolation of Israel. Can you imagine the excitement in Simeon as the Spirit of God 
reveals to him, Simeon, today is the day that you've been waiting for. This is the moment you are going to meet the comforter of Israel. Can you imagine Simeon? The juices are flowing. His eyes are flashing around the temple. He's trying to find this comforter. It's like a game of where's Waldo at the temple, and he's looking for it, but he can't see it. And imagine his shock and surprise when the Spirit leads him all the way to Mary and points him to Jesus and said, here he is. I wonder if he saw baby Jesus and thought, oh, no, no, no. That's not what I expected. It would have been a natural reaction, right? People like Simeon, people in his day were expecting a warrior king like David to rise up and lead a revolution against the Romans and drive out the Romans and give us our land back. Some people might have even been hoping for a pillar of fire and a cloud of glory to descend upon the temple once again. But no one was expecting a baby to come as the comforter of Israel. We tend to look on the outward appearance. We look at size and weight and height. We are impressed with size and shape. We like things that are big and tall and strong. We like, we like things that are attractive. We think size and shape matter so much, and yet the Lord looks on the heart. And since we can't see what the Lord sees, it's likely that Simeon, as he looks around the temple, would have overlooked the baby who was and is and will be the comfort of God's people. Apart from the gracious work of the Spirit who opens our eyes and moves our hearts, we too would overlook Jesus as well. But the Spirit gives us eyes to see Jesus as our comforter and our consolation. Again, we don't know what Simeon was looking for. We don't know what he was expecting or what he imagined the comfort of Israel would look like. But we can rest assured that he was totally surprised when he saw the comfort of Israel lying in the arms of a young girl, swaddled in a blanket, nursing at her breast. Can you imagine... Can you imagine what went through his heart and mind when he saw the strong arm of the Lord has come humbly to comfort his people, and yet he is gently comforted in the weak arms of his people? The comfort of Israel is enveloped in his mother's arms, and the arms of an old man then take the comfort of Israel and embrace them near his heart. Simeon took Jesus in his arms. He praises God with joy. Why? Because after all these years of longing and expectation and groaning and wanting God to reveal this comfort, he finally embraces the comfort of Israel in the baby Jesus. And he breaks out in song. He breaks out in song and this old man humbles himself before a newborn babe and he humbles himself at the side of the Lord and the Lord lifts up his spirit Imagine that all of his life, he's concerned and conflicted over the conditions of the world around him. And all of his life, he has waited and watched for the comfort of Israel to come. And finally, when it seemed like it would never, ever happen, when it seemed like everyone else had given up hope, when it was, seemed that his time was running out, it was then that the Savior came to comfort his people. And now that Simeon has seen Jesus... He feels that he can lay down his head and rest in peace with his forefathers. He has seen the Savior with his own eyes. 
He's heard of the Savior by the hearing of the ear. He's heard of the Savior through the reading of God's Word and the preaching of sermons. But now his eyes see the Savior and his hands touch the Savior. And in a way, salvation becomes more real to him, more tangible, more concrete. Do you know the same thing happens for you every Lord's Day? Though you're not always aware of it. But every Lord's Day, when you come to the Lord's table, salvation becomes more real to you, more tangible, more concrete. Because like Simeon, you take the comfort of Israel in your hands. You bring the comfort of Israel into your life. The salvation that Simeon celebrates here is not salvation for his people only. It's not salvation just for the The older people like Simeon. It's not salvation just for his tribe or just for his denomination. It is salvation for all people, for all the nations. And this is cause for rejoicing. And so he's celebrating the fact that in Jesus, this newborn baby, God has prepared a savior for the world. My question for you is this. Do you believe Jesus is your only comfort in life? And in death. In other words, like Simeon and Anna, do you look upon Jesus and see all of the promises of God embodied in his person and work? Everyone's looking for comfort. A little something to ease the pain, a little something to dull the lonely, to take off the edge. Some of us look for comfort in food, others at the bottom of a bottle. Some are looking for it in porn and other forms of sexual expression. Others are using other people for their own pleasures. Others are being used and liked and wanted. And they find comfort in that. Some hope to find it streaming in the next show. Others hope to see it at the next book. Some are looking for comfort in politics and religion and sports. Others are looking for it in knowledge of all kinds, others in promotions and rank and the accumulation of things and wealth. The point is that everyone everywhere is looking for comfort in their own way. We're no different than Simeon. We're no different than Anna in the sense that we are looking for comfort and we have expectations and hopes. But we're different in the, in the sense that they found comfort and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ And some of us are struggling to do that. Everyone's looking for comfort in their own way. Everyone's tempted to self-medicate with money, sex, and power in one way or another. And especially here at the end of 2020. But this story shows us something that we need to hear. And that is that our only true comfort in life and in death is that we are not our own. But we belong with body and soul to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the light that pierces our darkness. The salvation that reaches the perishing. The comfort that embraces the hurting. That in Christ, hope shatters despair. Love drives out fear. Faith becomes true sight. Peace overcomes anxiety. Joy destroys sorrow. And grace cleanses every single sin. These are the things that brought consolation to Simeon and to Anna. 
and brought comfort to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it is my hope and prayer that they will do the same for us, just as God has promised. Let us pray.